This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Podcasts. Can't get enough of the fan in the morning? Shown up. Because this is nothing like that. Working. Al and Jerry are here with stories they'd never get to cover on the morning show. Very sexy robot. Hey, look at that pig. Shenanigans. Naked yoga. My mother had a bad experience with these ghosts. Let's hump the fence. It's Al and Jerry's post-game podcast. All right, I got the thumbs up from Eddie. What is up? So Al's not here. Al is uh, traveling back to Indiana. And usually Eddie would sit in, but I've got a guy sitting in for Al today um, who is moving over to the radio station uh, permanently from CBS Sports Radio. His name is Sean Morash. What up, dude? What's up, bro? Uh, Nothing. I'm good. I I figured I'd bring you in here because you got this big promotion. I guess it's a promotion. It's like, how do you... And I'm not, no, no, no. I'm not, don't don't put the, I don't even mention DA's name with all those comments last week. But this is for you, I would think... This, the, the radio network was great, but this is like what you listened to growing up. This has got to be a big deal. Of course, man. I'm a, I'm a Mike and the Mad Dog, then Boomer and Carton guy. So this is – I grew up on this. The whole reason I'm in radio is listening to the fans. So, of course, it's a huge deal. Afternoon drive to get that my voice heard every day, it's huge. You started when? Uh, I interned in 2010. 10? That fall, Damn. yes. Yeah. And I'm old. Yeah, you actually kind of helped me get hired in a weird way. I did? You will never remember this in a million years. I started interning that fall, and Eddie would separate the three, like, internships. You get, like, a night, an afternoon, or whatever. So my night shift was on a Thursday night. And approaching Thanksgiving, uh, the Jets were playing the Bengals that Thursday night. And you, I, do I come in? Do I not? And you were like, you really shouldn't come in. But honestly, if you want to show good, sure, go for it. And those last words made me show up. That night, whoever the tape op was, did not show up. We had nobody to cut tape but me because I did for a Jet game on Thanksgiving night. Turn off on Monday, hired me to work part-time. Wow, that. look at that. That's how I got hired. I had no idea. Oh, I feel I got to pat myself there on the go. back now. And that's how it all started. That is pretty cool. Now, I know they made a lot of, you know, the, the whole goodbye the other day, which you're going to have another one uh, coming up. <laughs> I, yeah, I can't. Enough. Let me ask you this. <laughs> I meant from the crying. So that's good. So you got yeah. that out. Yes. So when I left, so I interned in 1997, <laughs> a long time ago, in January of 97. So I'm wow. talking... Yeah, and I got hired in the middle of it, kind of like you. Yeah. Um, I started working, getting paid in March of 97. I sort of left in 90, 99, I think it was. I stayed on. I left Joe as his producer overnights full time, and I stayed on doing t- – I remember Spitz told me, he goes, don't completely leave because you want to keep your foot in the door. So I stayed on doing tape Friday nights. But wow. I I left, and I remember when I walked out the door, the, the last shift with Joe – wasn't much of a teary goodbye or anything. It was kind of like, you know, whatever. Right. And I was, wasn't was making any money, so the job I was going to was paying me triple. I mean. So in my head, like I was recently married. It was a good deal financially. While I love the station, I'm like, yeah, I'll be here on Fridays. I was fine. I left. The IMUS crew came in, walked out like normal. And it hit me as I got into the car. Like, that's it. Yeah. And if nothing happens, I can work on Friday nights for $12 an hour. And, right, exactly. Like, that's it. So I sort of get it, and it was a very weird feeling. Has it actually hit you now 
that your life is because your life is changing with totally. your, with the hours. Uh, it hit me this weekend because this weekend came into like family planning stuff as far as like kids, daycare, my wife's hours. Like this week we sat down. All right, how are we doing this? How are we, you know your life changes. Yeah, you're going from mornings to afternoons. You know, so uh, it hit me. I think for the first time this weekend, but I think it won't fully hit me till I'm. In, I, I'm a routine guy. I just need to get into that first full week routine. Sure. And I'll be fine. Did you like the mornings or no? They grew on me. Uh, as far as like, I liked being home early, but I, as my wife said, I was a real cranky ass the way the afternoons. It's amazing, isn't it? I, I get so tired, and yeah. so, and then when you know, you know, Jerry, when you have young kids, that changes everything. There's no time to shut it down. No, no, yeah. there's not. I have found in these last couple of years, I was always pretty good with my older son. I would get home and I would do whatever he wanted to do all day. I'd, I actually had great energy. I slept well yeah. at night. The last. Mm, five or six years, the sleep isn't so good anymore. I'm getting older, yeah, and I have no energy. I'm fine during the show. I'm good driving home, and I'm even good for about an hour. By two o'clock, I oh. want to go to bed. Yeah, no, I'm with you. You sit on the couch, you try to watch something for half it's an terrible. hour. Terrible. Oh, at football season, I pride myself on like staying up, watching one that. Just, I, I'm so tired of that anxiety at halftime. Going, I if I don't go to bed now, I'm only getting three hours or whatever. Yeah, well, and that's right. You're looking at the clock, doing the math. Yes, it's like, what that's, do we do here? How is that enjoyable? Do you know? In the last, I probably have not seen the. I want to say the second half, but I probably haven't seen the fourth quarter of like the live the last six or seven Super Bowls. I mean, that's crazy. How- I can't keep my eyes open. But doesn't that suck as a yeah, sports fan? Yeah, it does. Fan? Yes, it does. It's like you're it working does. in here because you wanted to be a sports fan. Yeah. And the biggest event of the year, it sucked the life out of you. And partly because I've made the mistake in the past that when my body wants to go to sleep, if I push forward and don't, I then can't fall asleep. Uh, then so I've ended screwed. up literally awake all night long. I, I mean, that's no way to live. Mr. No. Super Bowl fourth that, quarters. But that's, that's yeah. where I'm at. And then for me... I spend extra money on the NFL app, on the MLB.tv app, so that when I do get in normal time, all right, now I zip through the fourth quarter. Right. But I don't see anything. Right. That's not enjoyable. And everything, I hate watching things when the, everything's happened already, too. Yes. Kills it's me. not the same. Absolutely kills me. What will you miss the most about the morning? Honestly, the and people. That show. The people. Like, I, I, this sounds crazy. Nobody will get it. We worked together for, I mean, me and DA for 10 years. Pete, Bogish, those guys on the show, five years I don't know. Like, we just really buy. I spend more time with those guys than my own family. Well, that's so all of us, yeah. It, it's the people. So, I, I genuinely, we, none of us hate each other, which is shocking, which can happen a lot. Uh, so, I will miss that coming up. But I know I love Evan. I love Tiki. Tommy Lugar, I'm going to work with one of my best friends in the business. See, now, he's the guy. I love Tommy. Yeah. I think he has done such a good job. And the fact that he gets his own hour, half oh, hour, totally. whatever, it, that's tremendous. Yeah, it'll totally be good. Yeah, Lugar was one of the first guys. We were both part-timers together, and he lived, like, Two towns over from me on Long Island. So from that, I mean, our wives know each other well. We've been good friends for a long time. So I'm looking forward to working with him. That's cool. I'm excited for you. I am. These changes are interesting uh, from a lot of different perspectives. But I do think it's – I think you're in a great spot. I think it's pretty cool. Uh, How about your giant stuff? Yeah. All right. So now you're working in the afternoon. Yep. You're on this station now. Now, you – trust me, I've seen the videos. So you covered a lot of it in the past anyway. Does this change at all? Like, are you more – giant driven now that you're on the radio like do you not have to watch will you not watch everything like you used to uh i think i will still watch everything what the difference will be when the giants and jets are playing in alternate times there were definitely t- i have sunday ticket i set up multiple tvs and stuff where if the jets are at 405 i have to watch that pro- so the giant stuff won't change right i'm gonna be the same and that's why they're hiring me too i'm gonna be the same giant fan I was. i'm nuts 
I'm probably too passionate. I sometimes care more about them than my own kids, which is probably a problem. But that I guess it's led me down this path to them wanting me for this role. Well, now you've seen them win Super Bowls. Yeah. I always told I always tell this story many times with Al. I'll never forget in 92 when the Cowboys won, for me, the first Super Bowl that I saw them win because I was too right. young in the 70s. I, it, was, it was a fun ride and watching them win and, and get win this, the, the championship. You know, the games against the Niners were amazing. Yeah. And then I'll never forget the feeling I had when they beat the Bills in that in that first Super Bowl. And I was like, huh. Now what? Yeah, exactly. Right. Right. It was it was very empty almost. Like there's no parade I, for me. Yeah. They don't send me anything. No, you're right. And I, it was like, what was all that for? I kind of felt that way. And I think this is why the 2011 Giant team gets disrespected in many ways. Because Because of what they did. Right. When everybody goes back, oh, the defense, you know, they were such a different team, but because yeah. of 2007, that team will never hold up. But I do, I do feel that way. And honestly, my favorite Giant team is the 2001 that lost the Super Bowl. Mm. That one, I mean, I was younger. I was in eighth grade at the time. That one to me was like, made me truly fall in love. I saw them get Unexpected. the Super Bowl. Unexpected. Yeah. And almost by them losing, it made me love that team more than the teams that won. Yeah. It, it's a weird thing. I could see that. That's my team, which well, is funny that I'm working with Tiki. Now and you're a Yankee. Oh, that's true. And you're yeah. a Yankee guy. Yes. Right. So then you probably fall into the mold too. Baby bombers when yeah. they're doing things they're not supposed to. Of you don't course. go get the big names. It's more fun watching them. Uh, yes, exactly. And that's why I've kind of become numb. To, I love the Yankees. But I'm numb to the Yankees because, I mean, I've seen so many world yeah. You know what I mean? I want it done a little bit of a different way here. I get stale. Well, and that's where I think like the Met fan, it's almost like beware of what you wish for. Because yeah. now you got the owner. He spent almost $400 million. The team's not very good. And anything less than, like, it's almost like the season feels like it's meaningless. Meaningless, yeah. You're only, you're sitting there in the summer and you're waiting for October. And then when they when you boil it down to one week, it kills you. It's terrible. And, and it makes you feel bored at times well, in the regular season. And even like what the Nets did. Yeah. Like, and I'm a Net fan too. Was it, which I know, which it was cool that you had guys like Durant. And I know the Nets paid him to not play like Boomer's always said. And I get that. But at the end of the day, like, Durant bought into the Nets. Yeah. Kyrie Irving bought into the Nets. Yeah. And it was like, they're here, it's neat, but at the same time, you better win or you're going to be mocked forever, and that's where we're at. Which is so true because I my Net fandom couldn't have gotten any higher when they chose it, and now I just, it's like, wait, what? Well, okay, what? and so now let's take it to prior yeah. Durant Irving when my Nets – fandom if that's the word we're using was at a pretty good high you love the d'angelo russell team I, yeah but it was the karis laverts yeah. it was uh what's no. his name uh the, the big guy jared, jared allen. allen right yeah felt like they were building something yes but the problem in the nba is different than ba- you're building something to what to always be a six seed you're always going to need that star and that's my do problem. you though now see i don't know anymore i mean yeah i mean <sighs> i feel like the league's ch- yeah you need one i'm not you saying need you one don't. star for absolutely sure. there's no doubt but I feel like the league is changing in that it's not, it's almost like the game, I don't want to say the game's passed by LeBron and Durant, but it feels like they're like dinosaurs now with these yeah, 20-somethings Yeah, Bradley Beal goes to the sun, right, and you feel like that's not a big deal. No, but either way, then you need to, if Bridges is that guy, that's fine. You need to hit on somebody. Well, that's the hope. Right. If you don't, if that guy's only a number two, you still need to find a, it just feels like so hard to get that. I agree. I agree. All right, back to you. All right. So you get the word. I mean, I know that I know what was going on with Craig for months. I knew yeah. at some point it was coming. When did you find out? Uh, officially, I, not when it was rumored. Officially, I found out the day it got reported in the post. Really? Yeah. I. Uh, That's amazing. Yeah. I, I went home and I did shoot management a message just because I thought that was the right thing to mm-hmm. do was, you know, show a little. And um, they asked me, I don't even know if I should be realist, any chance you want to come on a train and come back in? 
Oh, wow. So I had already gotten home from the mornings. I you know, let the dogs out, jump right on the train, came in, and they sat me down. It was one of those, this is what our plan is, this is what's going on, keep your mouth shut, we'll be in touch with you over the weekend. That's great. Yeah. All right, so then you go home. What's what's the weekend like with the wife? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Yeah. So mornings for you, I know, are tough physically, but you're home by 1130. Yes. And you're around. Yes. Now things change. I'm sure she's happy for you, but now your life is different. What's that conversation? Well, what's different is she's going to realize how much I did around the house, which came up. I was laundry guy. I was food shop guy. She's the much better cook, but I cook dinner five mm. nights a week. I was pick the kids up so to take care. So she has a full-time job. She has a full-time job. She works till 5 p.m. every night. Got she's going to be able to alter those hours now to like a 7 to 3 to kind of help out with picking oh, up the good. kids because I'll be home in the morning with the kids. So that's all going to work out. But I said, it's funny. You're going to have to cook a lot more. I'm not going to be home until 8 o'clock at night. You're going to have to do, you know, meal prep, whatever. But I think I went underappreciated in my own house, and I think we're going <laughs> to learn real quick how good a Mr. <laughs> Mom I was. <laughs> I think that's awesome. It is. I, this is going to be the biggest, you know, stones on the table move for me. Yeah. That she's going to realize how much I was doing. But ultimately, she's thrilled. Yes, of course. She, above anything else, the cranky part. She kept saying, if you're still a cranky asshole, that's going to be it for me. That basically. means you're just yeah. a cranky I asshole. I just cursed. I'm sorry. That's okay. Yeah. It's a podcast. Yeah. It's fine. Um, you're, all right. Now, your mom has come to your defense many times. She's not built for this move. No. Why? She is already, she's somebody that's on Twitter. Like she oh, from like dummy boy. accounts. Oh boy. And your mom has dummy accounts? Yes. <laughs> She's horrible with this stuff. Facebook and everything. She reads up and everything. Now she like she cares about me and my career. Yes. But everybody's so nice on CBS Sports Radio, like the people in Boise. Like they love I you. Know. They said nothing nice to say. People in New York, you guys could be a little, you know. Oh, whatever. it's rude. And there's been a lot of mean things said about yeah. But I laugh at it all. There's nothing you can't say. I grew up a, a fat kid with acne and a mushroom cut. All right. I believe me, I've heard it all. But she's not built for this, and it's, I'm very worried about her. And I had to actually sit her down on Sunday, yeah, Sunday, and tell her you got to stop reading stuff because it's going to drive you nuts. She really should get off it. Yes, it's yeah. not. I mean, so we, she's protected. I will tell you, we did the um, that show in Jersey City. I think it was April twenty something. I forgot what the exact date was, but it was late April, and it was great. Um, and then the next day, there were posts on Twitter that I did not care for. And they're not necessarily about me as yeah. much as they were about friends of mine and okay. other people. And I just said, you know what? It's enough. I need a break. Yeah. So I decided until football season begins, I'm off it. Shut it down. And it's, I have right been thing. off it. The only time I log in is when I'm here for news. And then that's it. And I check the feed before I go to bed for news. I don't look. I turn all notifications off so I don't see them. Bless Which you is fine. Yeah. But I will get back into I have to for football. Of I course. Have to. But it drives you nuts. But it's it doesn't listen, the first five thousand times people kill you, it bothers you, you get numb to it. Yeah. Other people don't though. Like it's hard. I it, get it. It's tough. It's definitely tough. Again, like I, I was somebody that was picked on when I was in junior high. Then high school, nobody could say anything, and I became popular as a result. I I mean, whatever. That sounds conceited, but you know what I mean? I was the yeah, funny I guy, I had a good time, but like I don't know. I, I think just in my persona, I I've built myself that nothing anybody says can phase me, but it will phase my mom. Yeah, I know that, it will. That's hard. Yes. And then, and it will it will happen. It'll also be written about. Of course. It's not just social media. Like, of course. Now you are. I always say to my wife, like, things have been good. I said, but you do understand. Oh, she already wrote. There's somebody, I'm not going to name them, that wrote today with my name on there. We're not sure if it will work with him. And she was, the, I didn't even know about it. She was the first one that said huh. it to me. Because what does that mean if it won't work? Like, <laughs> You've got to calm down, mom. You have to calm down. I always tell my wife when you work in like morning or afternoon drive, like you got to be prepared that any day you go in could be your last day. Yeah, for sure. Which is Scary. a strange way to live, 
things have gone well for us for a long time. Yeah. But you never, you just never know. Of course. Yeah. You never know. Uh, any, do you have any anxiety about it? Now, forget the social media stuff with your mom, just in oh. terms of how the show's going to work. Only anxiety in how long it takes us to get our feet under us with chemistry. Fair because, enough. Because, look, Tiki and Evan's name are on the marquee. I'm being brought in as kind of like the third host voice on the show. I am somebody that feels like I've been like an alpha on the mic. I was number two with DA. So I just, I'm, the only anxiety is, I know why I'm being hired. I know why I'm being hired, you know, as the fan, the crazy fan, all that, whatever you want to say about me. Just the chemistry with those guys and like knowing when it's too much for me or when it's not enough. That's the only anxiety part. And I know we will find that. It's how long we get it. To it takes time. Yes. It does. Sometimes it's hard to just build it. Yeah. And if it takes a month, a for week, sure. sometimes it's instant. Right. Because it's know. a combination of I don't want to step on any toes, but then I also don't want to be too laxed where I'm right. I'm wasted as an asset. All right. Last couple of things. And thank you for coming in today. Um, forget the guys for a minute. Take DA and, and Bogish and Pete out of the mix for for the time being. Favorite moment in the morning over there has been. <laughs> oh, by the way, these things at your father's house or your house. What, yeah. what is that? That was going to say it's going to be my. That was my favorite moment. Was this oh. last one? Um, so my dad built a backyard bar. I have one now too. Um, we decided, kind of as like a mock for the lack of resources at CBS Sports Radio, when you guys go to DJs. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, every radio station in America has one of these summer things. How about we do it at my dad's backyard bar? We set up the equipment. We do everything. So we started. It was our way to end the pandemic a couple of years ago. It went well. It was like local people in the neighborhood came. Then last year, we invited listeners, and like four listeners came. But we had enough local. There was like 40 yeah. people back there, and everybody was having a good time. We had a live music band and everything. We kind of mo- tried to at, mock that. At your house? At my, his house? My parents' house. You the, a house band. the house I grew up. Yep. At 6 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Well, we didn't allow them to start playing until 8. But a lot of the <sighs> neighbors all were invited, so they all came. Oh, that's cool. So this year, because it went so well the previous two years, we opened it up. Hey, anybody wants to come. We did not expect this, but 40 listeners or so flew in from Alabama, Vancouver, Canada, Boise, Idaho. Like, it was crazy. They all asked for – we had to put out the show sheet. They stayed at local hotels. (laughs) And next thing we knew, it was 7, 8 in the morning – and the place is rocking with all of these people who had never met each other. Wow. And it was one of those moments where it was like, we met, you know, like, you know, yeah. make the jokes, we mattered. This yes. many people cared and spent their vacation time and time off to come to the place I grew up in. And my parents didn't care. And we sat there and everybody drank and had a good time and watched us do a show. So that was my favorite moment, to be honest with you. That's pretty good. I did set, not a, a ton, but several weekend shows over there. Yeah. The one thing I did like, A, you can talk about whatever the hell you want to talk about. Jerry, that's the best part. It is cool. I agree. And I love baseball, but there's all – and look, I got to get used to it. There's only so many – how many times with the bullpen can you take the call? Yeah, you get used to it. And I – look, I know this ain't going to fly here. I happen to love college football. You could do a lot of that over the summer and stuff like that. Yeah. Or football all year round. All year round. I mean, I'm watching ESPN during, yeah. even during our show out in the newsroom. It's on. Yeah. And they're doing just like, you know, breaking down the AFC East of today. Of course. Who's better, Mahomes? And this is how they basically right. get ratings. And I, yeah, and that stuff's fun to do. You know, it, it. I guess it makes it easier. It's harder to do the local stuff right there when it's so minute. Yes. No. No. And with Tiki, you yeah. are going to have a ton of football, as you know. Anyway. Yeah, for sure. Which is a good thing. Uh, what else? I had a whole bunch of things. Anything else? I guess that's about it. Well, <laughs> I'm rooting for you. Thank you. I'm rooting um, for me too. By the way. Yeah. No. It's good. It's going to go fine. I think you guys will be good. It'll take you yeah. a little bit of time, but I think it'll be good. Um, yeah. and uh, best of luck to you, my man. Thanks, Jerry. Looking forward to you guys, of course, probably killing me in clips for the months to come and stuff yeah, like that, too. I'm sure I that'll do. be part of it. That's the weird thing about working in the morning is, like, as a play-by-play guy myself, Yeah, 
And when I screw up, I bring them in and we play them. You have yeah. to. I genuinely feel bad, though, by I, playing this stuff. Yeah. I, I don't care. It's, um, yes, but you are you have an X on your back. Yeah. I mean, just like Evan. What Evan said, um, instead of dropping the bucket last week, he goes, we're going to spit in the bucket. Spit in the bucket. <laughs> I'm like, what is he saying? <laughs> I don't even think he knows half right. the things he says. Probably so, true. yes, you have an X on your back, but you know it's all in fun. Exactly. I will not take offense to anything. And your mom, My mom can, might. can continue to hate exactly. you. Exactly. And it's, now she really can listen in the morning because now it's your part of this station. You know how many times I was offended by that, too? She might, you wouldn't believe what Geo said. I'm like, why are you not listening to me? Because <laughs> she had to stream it. Exactly. That's why. Exactly. Well, That's, I think she would do two. Dude, she would have me on a sports speaker and them on TV. I was going to say, does she also know it's on FA and HD2? People don't know yeah. that. Yeah. It's that that HD2 band. So 92.3 is now 1010 wins. Yeah. But eight ninety two three HD two is K Rock, and it's so clear. It's awesome. Yeah, and the you guys, well, CBS Sports Radio is on HD two band, and it's terrific. And yeah. they got the BetQLs on HD three. Yeah, I do stuff over there too. And yeah. no one knows about it. No, nobody. Which is fascinating. All right, well, good luck to you. Thanks, Jerry. We will have fun. We will enjoy it, and uh, we will see you along the way. Sounds good, man. Later, Sean Morash. All right, coming up next. Uh, it's boring because it was me by myself, but whatever. It's the warm up show. It was kind of good. Stick around. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Speak your mind at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com. Good morning, campers. Alan Jerry. Don't worry, it's only an hour long, and most days it doesn't suck. All right, we say we do this. We start a new week on a Monday, Monday, Monday on the van. The Eddie Scazzeri, what is up? And across from me is an empty chair once again as Al is uh, on his way back from Indiana. We will see him on Wednesday. We will get to the putrid finish for the Mets yesterday. The uh, Really just a solid one for the Yankees and a terrific weekend as they take two of three from the Rangers. Uh, got some interesting news on Aaron Judge. We'll get to all that in just a moment. But quickly, I will tell you, if you turn the radio on or the TV on, uh, coming up around 625 and I get to do my segment with Boomer and Geo, you will see that uh, along with the stitches, I now have two black eyes. Uh, so it's normal. <laughs> I woke up with it on Saturday. Everything's good. But it looks horrendous. And I know Boomer said on uh, Friday that it looked like I got into a fight. Or I guess it was, yeah, I guess it was Friday. Uh, no, now it looks like I got into a fight and lost. So a couple of black guys, but we are here and ready to rock. And uh, let's start with the Mets because misery loves company. And we're the company that we will give the Mets this morning. Because yesterday was one of those days where, you know, through the first six or seven innings, you were feeling pretty good that they, holy crap, might actually win a series for the first time since they beat the Phillies 
back in early June. I mean early June, like June 1st or 2nd, whatever that was. And everything was just kind of humming along. And, you know, Brett Beatty, a couple of base hits. Pete Alonzo, a couple of base hits, including a home run. Now, the one guy here, as we are going to move forward with this uh, Met conversation, and by the way, four calls, four calls coming up at 525, as always when Al's not here, and then Flegelman will join me in the final segment. The one guy that kind of skates free in all this yesterday is, I'm not going to mention the relievers, how about Carlos Carrasco? You know, it's one thing to say you went six innings, you gave up two runs, and you did relatively well. It's one thing to say you went only five innings, but only gave up a run and did okay. But to come out of that game yesterday and say four innings, two runs, not bad, pitch count up near 80, not acceptable, not good enough. You want to only give them four innings? How about you don't give up any runs? Not asking for a hell of a lot. You want to give up two runs? Maybe you go seven or eight innings. And it just continues to tax the bullpen. And I just kind of feel like watching that game, when you're watching the pitch count go up and up and struggle to throw strikes, you're thinking, here we go again. They're going to have to trot out three, four, five relievers to get through this game. And while I thought they would, especially with a three-run lead in the eighth, Never thought it would happen the way it happened. There was concern that you don't get the length from your starter again. You know, and I don't mean again because Verlander, excuse me, um, Scherzer has done it. But this is a recurring theme with Carrasco. If you want to limit his pitches, I get it. But you got to be a little more economical, a little bit. So he's the guy that I'm not putting blame on this loss, but does deserve some. Now we get to the eighth inning. Mets take the 6-3 lead into the 8th. And you're thinking, all right, first things first. Who the hell is Josh Walker? That's number one. All right, he's a lefty, comes in, he got to face Bryce Harper to start the inning. Of course, he walks him on five pitches. All right, you know what? Not the worst result in the world. So be it, you walk Walker. Okay. Then Real Muto immediately throws the ball. But Real Muto, a sharp single to left. Now you're starting to think, eh, tying run to the plate. Only to walk the next guy, whoever that was, I don't remember. And now you're sitting there, bases loaded, nobody out. You're still up three runs, and you make the move. Now, I'm not going to lie. my first, I didn't know who they were going to go to. Obviously, they showed Brigham who kind of got up and was getting loose. And you're thinking, all right, fair enough. Here would be my criticism of Buck Walter, if anything, uh, from yesterday. A lot of people want to kill him for the use or, excuse me, non-use of Ottavino and uh, what's his name, David Robertson. Now, Buck made it pretty clear. He was never going to Adovino at all yesterday, even though he said he was available. Buck wasn't doing it. In his mind, checked off the list. Okay, fair enough. I understand that. But you still have Robertson sitting there. Here would be my question. If Edwin Diaz was on this team, does he not go to Diaz in the eighth inning after the first two guys get on? And I only bring that up because this is what Buck did last year. So then my next question would be, how much confidence do you have in Robertson? And I understand what he was trying to do. I do. You know, you bring Brigham in, and the first thing you get is the ground ball. That should have been two outs. It should have been. I mean, it's a it's a bing-bang play. The ball is to his left. You catch it, you throw it, you turn the two, you give up the one run for the two outs. And instead, and, I, and you know, it's funny. I don't know if it was Ron. I think it was Ron Darling that made, that made the point or raised the question. Did he not throw the ball because McNeil wasn't at the bag or did not have a grip on the ball? And I don't know that I ever really saw a good replay to answer that question. 
Either way, it's got to be two. has to be. And if you're not going to get two, you got to get the one, at the very least, to slow down some momentum that the Phillies had. You don't get it. Now you're sitting there. You still have the bases loaded. They don't get the challenge. And it's a now it's a two-run game. And then you get the walk to Marsh. I mean, it, the whole thing was just nuts. So now at this point, I guess you could get Robertson up. But then you get the terrific at-batter, excuse me, you get the terrific, yeah, I guess the at-bat that Clemens had in terms of Brigham striking him out. Then he goes two strikes on the next batter. So you also have a lot of criticism of where's Robertson. Well, again, I'm going to raise the question about the way they used Diaz last year. Why not try him in that spot? All right, they don't do that. Well, after you strike out Clemens and you go two strikes on, I guess it was Schwarber, you're thinking, man, this kid's going to get out of this. And even Gary on TV sounded as if, man, weird inning, but look at the job Brigham's doing all of a sudden. He walks the one guy. Now, all of a sudden, he's throwing strikes. He goes up two strikes on Schwarber, and then all of a sudden, they hit by batter. And the momentum changes like that. So now here you are. You're Buck Showalter. You've got, I don't know, 25 seconds to make a decision. Robertson's not ready. You had some momentum from Brigham, and then he hits Trey Turner. And just like that, there's your ball game. I mean, it's fascinating how fast, you know, you're watching it and you're seeing it happen in slow motion on one hand, and on the other hand, it happens so damn fast with the error mixed in. I don't even know what you make of it other than your bullpen right now is not very good. I mean, that's it. The guys that they have on this team to come in and close out games, and I mean... Once again, when Carlos Carrasco gives you a great four innings, woohoo! You got to get through five innings to win these games out of your bullpen, and it's just they're overused. And oh, by the way, not great to begin with. You're asking a lot. You're really asking a lot. So I don't know where the blame falls. I don't know if it's on Steve Cohen, if it's on Billy Epler, if it's on Buck Showalter. Is it the fact that these pitchers just stink? Because not acceptable. Yesterday's loss is not acceptable on any level. It's just not. You know, when you haven't won a series in a month or almost a month, you can't let that one get away. Not when you've got guys doing what they need to do to get you where you need to be. And I'm specifically talking about Pete Alonzo, who gets hit again, oh, by the way, in the ninth inning. It's just, it's mind-numbing watching these games. And the Mets just have a feel of a team that's never going to get out of this this mess they're in. It's like it's like a movie on repeat. Lose two out of three. Lose two out of three. Lose two out of three. You know who loses two out of three consistently? Bad teams. Not even average teams. Bad teams keep losing two out of three to whoever they're playing. It doesn't matter if they're playing the Pirates or the White Sox or the Yankees or the A's or the Phillies. Or the Brave. It doesn't matter. Lose two out of three. And so for this team, and Buck's not wrong when he says at the end, you got to go out and just let's go. Play Milwaukee tomorrow night, meaning tonight. Got to go out there and beat the Brewers. All right, well, show me the evidence that you're going to beat the Brewers and that you can win a series. Because right now, I have zero confidence that this team can close out a game. Just a mess. Just an absolute mess. And it's unfortunate, too, because they had this game, I think, what did Gary say? It was in the pocket, and then all of a sudden there was a hole in the pocket, and it just slipped right away. And then even the, I mean, I know he did the job. He comes in, gets a strikeout and a flyout, as I think it was Harper that ended the inning, so they they batted around. But even then, bringing in the toll, I mean, you think about, let's go back to the beginning 
of spring training. And if I would have told you in what is not a crucial game, but I I think an important game yesterday, I really do. I think for confidence for the team, a little bit of confidence for the fan base, just something to feel good about yourselves going forward. I thought an important game yesterday to come out of there with a series win. And if I would have told you back in early March that you were going to have Walker, Brigham, and Natoli trying to get you through an important eighth inning in Philly, who? That's what you're left with. That's what you're left with. Josh Walker, Jeff Brigham, and I guess it's Vinny Natoli. Wow. That's where the Mets are. Now, you want to go glass half full? Well, you got Adovino and you got uh, Robertson for tonight because <laughs> they didn't pitch yesterday. I guess that's the positive because I can't find too many other than, you know, and there's another thing with Beatty, too. He has a couple of hits, has a decent offensive day, and then makes the – and give him credit. He took all the responsibility on his shoulders. So that's a play I have to make 10 out of 10 times. Not 9 out of 10, not 9.5 out of 10, 10 out of 10, you got to make that play. He doesn't make the play. Now, I don't know how the inning goes thereafter if they get the two or even the one, but I do know that getting none was just brutal, absolutely brutal in that spot. And you just felt the wave of momentum building and building and building as the pitchers couldn't throw strikes and then were hitting guys and moving around the bases. So just an inexcusable, unacceptable loss for the Mets. Uh, I am not one. I just don't think they're, they're not well built. It's just not a good team right now. We know the loss of Edwin Diaz has been important. We totally get that. The rest of the bullpen's brutal. It's just not good. And anybody that thinks they are, you're kidding yourself. And the starting pitching, you know, Scherzer's been better for sure. There's no question about it. But the starting pitching's not good. I mean, probably David Peterson's probably going to pitch again Tuesday. Now, I do know Quintana pitched a rehab game when four innings. They're trying to build him up to 80 pitches so he can come up and finally make his Mets debut. So help is on the way at some point. But 79 pitches over four innings for Carlos Carrasco. Ugh. Not good enough. Now, you can make the same case for Garrett Cole, I suppose. Here's the difference with Garrett Cole. His track record is outstanding. And he's allowed a game like yesterday where he goes four and two-thirds, really labored to throw strikes, had had some at-bats, had some uh, battles with the at-bats with some of the uh, the Rangers uh, 107 pitches over four and two-thirds, not good enough, but he fights, and he comes out of that game losing, yes, but gave the team a chance, and then in the eighth inning, you see what they do. Volpe with a big hit, and Bader, and then Stanton tacks on. Um, the Yankee bullpen did the job yesterday against a very good Rangers team. Make no mistake, I said this to you guys on Friday, I thought this was a big weekend for the Yankees from the standpoint of taking on a team that scores a million runs. And in the one Rangers win, they scored a million runs. Yankees shut them down pretty good, though, in the other two that they won. And they come away with the series victory, again, against a team that I think is the highest-scoring team in Major League Baseball this year. And I thought the Yankees did a really good job uh, coming away with the two. And, you know, it goes to show as well, the Yankees aren't whole yet, and we know that. I made the point to Gio, I think it was last Tuesday, where I saw the report from Meredith Morakovic where said the Yankees are hopeful that Aaron Judge returns this season. Not in a week, not in a month, this season. And my eye was raised because it seemed like, did she just mention hopeful for the season? So we didn't make too much of it, but then you get the report and you hear from Judge over the weekend, the torn ligaments, they're hopeful that he's back this season. So here's what we learned this weekend. 
The Yankees are going to have to win a lot of games without Aaron Judge because it doesn't sound like he is anywhere near returning to this team. Maybe, maybe August, September, maybe October. I don't know. But here's what we learned. It sounds like July is out. He is in, I don't want to say he's in a lot of pain, but he's dealing with an injury that, as he said, he's having trouble pushing off. And so running is an issue. I'm sure hitting the way he needs to hit is an issue, and he needs to heal. So series like this, where you take two out of three against a good team without judge, is critical. And it goes to show, too, you know, Harrison Bader was a spark plug yesterday. They missed him as well, which we knew. But having him back makes them a little more whole. And in terms of the Yankee pitching, Carlos Rodon with another uh, rehab start for Somerset. He went four shutout innings. So like the Mets with Quintana, the Yankees with Rodon, hopefully getting some help along the way with their starting pitching. And the story couldn't be more different between these two teams. The Mets have fallen now seven games seven games under 500, whereas the Yankees move, I think it's eight games over 500 and, you know, remain in that playoff positioning. And, you know, it's funny. You don't even feel like they've gotten hot yet this year. They've done well treading water, as we've talked about, with Judge out. If they can keep that up, you know, they go to Oakland now. So I actually watched a, I saw a thing on the Rays. The Rays have had a great season, which we know so far to date. They've been wonderful. You know the Rays, as good as they've been, I believe through Oakland, and there's one other bad team that they've played. I think it's Kansas City. I think they're 4-4 four and four against Oakland and Kansas City. Well, if you're the Yankees, don't stub your toe this weekend or this week against the A's. Go out and win those games. You know, these are, you're not going to have a lot of opportunities against really lousy baseball clubs. And yes, the A's at one point had an eight game winning streak. But if you take that away, they have been historically just lousy. I mean, they're a bad baseball team from the word go. So go take care of business, keep the winning going, win games without judge. And you'll start to have a little bit of a different feeling about the Yankees. And then Rodon comes back and be the bullpen. Excuse me. Now the starting rotation starts to look a little bit better. Yeah, they got to get guys figured out. Yes, they need Cortez back. They need him back healthy and being the pitcher he was last year. Yes, you need better out of Herman. All sorts of questions still need to be answered. But Rodon can answer one if he can get back here sooner or get here sooner rather than later. And the same for Quintana and the Mets who really could use him. Because the starting pitching has been a problem, as we know. And perhaps for both teams, help is on the way in line of the starting pitching. All right, four calls coming up. 877-337-6666. We do this when Al is out. The middle part of the hour is you. But only four calls. 877-337-6666. Flegelman will join me in the final segment as well. And then we've got Boomer and Geo coming up at 6 right here on The Fan. All right, nice to have you with us. Warm-up show on this Monday morning. We take it to Boomer and Geo at 6 right here on The Fan. Before we get to the calls, 877-337-6666. Check out, if you can, or if you have a moment, there was a cruise that was leaving somewhere in South Florida, I suppose. Somewhere in Florida. Maybe South Florida, Central, I don't know. And a storm before the cruise took off and set sail, as they say, with the passengers on the boat, a monster storm rolled in. And you want to talk about a scary moment. There's, you know, obviously everybody's got their phones out. So there's this video footage of deck chairs are being tossed into the air 
like it's nothing, like it's basically a piece of paper floating through. And there's one shot. You want to talk about Lucky. There's a woman holding what appears to be certainly a small child, perhaps a baby, in one arm, and she's got the stroller in the other. And a deck chair misses her by inches. And it is one of the freakiest things you will ever see. I mean, talk about the start of a vacation not going the way you would think, number one. Number two, also think about the opposite effect they're going to have once they do get to see and they get to the island and they see nothing but blue skies and sunshine the way it actually started. Just just nuts. And I do know some crazy weather I do believe uh, is upon us this week, today, tomorrow, uh, and then Wednesday, I think, some monster storms. And so I saw Red Rock in Colorado, I think. They had to stop a concert over the weekend because of snowball-sized hail. So pretty crazy, but this was on a cruise ship in Florida. All right, we get to a couple of your calls here. Whatever. Oh, I'll give you another one, too, because I didn't see this. If you have any thoughts on it, now's the time. Derek Jeter, how he did on Fox with Burkhart and A-Rod and uh, David Ortiz. I saw that Ortiz gave him the jersey, but they were, they were there for the Cardinals and the Cubs this weekend for the London Series, which the Mets and Phillies will do next year. So any thoughts on Jeter, let me know as well. Uh, Maury and Belmore. What's up, Maury? You're on the warm-up show. How are we doing? I'm one of the core four, Jerry. You're core four, my man. What's happening? All right. How's your face? Uh, not great. I got to be honest. It's uh, bruised and battered, but I'm all right. Have you been icing it? Yes, I have. Not as much as I should, but I definitely did ice it often. I was in Atlantic City Friday night, Saturday, and then yesterday morning. I made sure to go back to the room and ice it for 15 minutes here and there. So I did the best I could. Well, that's good. I had it. Eddie took my call. He was very fantastic. You know, Eddie. Hi. Hello there. How are you? Eddie is fantastic. Oh, he's just great. So, listen, you don't have plan B if we get rid of Buck. What, what's the plan? I mean, I don't believe that that's the right thing to do, get rid of Buck. And then I, the Derek Jeter thing, the jersey, getting that jersey and throwing it directly in the garbage was the best thing I've ever seen. I don't know if you saw that. He took the jersey, opened it up, and literally took it, <laughs> it right in the garbage bag. I think it's tremendous. <laughs> Fantastic. I didn't see Fantastic. Unfortunately, more. I appreciate the call. I didn't see it. Because uh, I was in Atlantic City over the weekend. I really watched as much as I could yesterday. I did not see that part. I did read about it. Uh, and the fact that you loved it is great. In terms of Buck, he's not going anywhere. I mean, you know, it's funny to me how we sit there and you want something, you want something, you want something. You get it. Things go well. And then you have a year like this year. And it's like, there are fans that will tell you, get rid of Buck. Why? Like, what is the... You know, this team has had, and I'm not making excuses, but they are reasons. I hate when people say injuries aren't an excuse. Well, if injuries aren't an excuse, then don't pay stars hundreds of millions of dollars because if they go down, it doesn't matter because that's essentially, that's the line of thought that you have. That's your train of thought. Injuries are an excuse. You got to win beyond them. Well, okay, fair enough. I don't agree with that. I think when you don't have Pete Alonzo on the lineup, it matters. I think when Aaron Judge is not in the lineup, it matters. When Edwin Diaz isn't here to pitch and close out games, it matters. The Mets have been a little bit disjointed right from the moment that Edwin Diaz got hurt. Now, I ain't going to get into the whole World Baseball Classic thing because I have no issue with it. The guy didn't get hurt pitching in that event. He got hurt jumping around like a child after a win, just like we have seen multiple and numerous teams do this after game-winning wins. So I'm not blaming it on that. You want to, go ahead. I've certainly had my battles with Sal about it. 
Um, that to me, it's unfortunate. It sucks. It happened. He stepped on a guy's foot, knee went the wrong way. It sucks. What are you going to do? You move on. But from that moment forward, stuff has just happened to this team. And then the Alonzo injury didn't help. Lindor has been, I'm not going to call him a zero, but he has been nothing. Escobar was terrible, so much so he's gone, lost his job. We know he's in Los Angeles now as the Mets made the move over the weekend. There have been so many things you can look at, and to me, the manager's not one of them. Now, you want to tell me the way he did or did not play young guys? Okay, but for me to... For me to kill him on that and say he's the reason why they're not here, why they're not performing here, why the Mets aren't winning, I need to know where those decisions come from. I mean, hell, he was asked yesterday about David Peterson on Tuesday. He basically says, I haven't been told, but he's in play to start. Man, if this is 25 years ago and Buck Showalter is managing the Rangers or the Diamondbacks or the Yankees or whoever it might be, you don't think he's not making that decision? Of course he is. Baseball's different. There's too many people that have their hands into what happens on a day-to-day basis. That quote right there turned my head like, like on Sunday you don't know what the deal is with David Peterson because you haven't been told? That's awful. But I'm not going to sit here and say the Mets need to fire Buck Showalter a year and a half in. After a terrific regular season to where the team was lined up to do great things in the postseason with the way they were built, but their big money and big ticket pitchers spit the bit down the stretch. He got them where they needed to go. The high-priced talent didn't finish the job. So I can't just after three months of a bad season say, that's it, move on. Buck's got to go. No, no, no. It's so, we've become such a knee-jerk type of society with everything we do, including, I mean, mostly sports fans for sure. We're just, and I understand you want to win games. I get it. I totally get it. But sometimes seasons go like this. And I'm not saying they can't get out of it. I said Quintana hopefully soon can give a jolt to that rotation. Is it Buck's fault that Carlos Carrasco has trouble throwing strikes? I mean, come on. You know, the manager can do so much. Has he made some decisions that scratch your head? Yes. I will not argue that point at all. But not to the point that I'm ready to sit there and say, fire Buck. Not a year and a half into this thing. No way. And also, not to see where they are in another month. We've said this a hundred times. This team is a five- or a six-game winning streak away from becoming relevant again. I mean, for God's sakes, the Reds just won 11 games in a row. The A's have had an eight-game winning streak. The Rays didn't lose in the month of April. Teams go on winning streaks. The Pirates win 10 in a row, lose 10 in a row. That's what they are. They are a five- or six-game winning streak away from being relevant again. But it's got to start with winning a series, which they haven't done in three weeks. I, and I understand that. I get that point. Mike in Manhattan. What's up, Mike? How are you? Hey, good morning. How are you? I'm good, man. What's going on? Good, good. Uh, watching that uh, Jeter video of him throwing the Red Sox jersey in the garbage made my day. Um, definitely reminded me when I was a kid in the late 90s. I went to Fenway with my father, middle of the rivalry and everything. 
we're sitting right up against the Yankee bullpen. And uh, everyone's asking Rivera for autographs. He's giving autographs in the middle of the game, no problem. And someone threw him a Red Sox cap. And he looks at it. He goes, uh, what the F is it, S? And throws it right in the garbage. And you got to love it. If you're a Yankee fan, you absolutely love it. And I actually, while uh, while I was talking before, after uh, Maury's first call, I uh, appreciate it, Mike. I was able to actually see the video and it was very Jeter-like. You know, a lot of guys can't do that because they jump from team to team to team. But Jeter is one of the rare ones where he spent his entire career. I mean, even Ortiz didn't spend his entire career in Red Sox with the Red Sox. We think of him as a Red Sox. But he did start with the Twins. Derek Jeter's a Yankee. And A-Rod's sitting there on the set. You can think of A-Rod however you want with the steroids and all that crap. But A-Rod was a Mariner and a, and a Ranger and a Yankee. He was one of these today's type of athlete where you go from team to team to team and you sign the big money. That's not Jeter. Jeter was a Yankee and that was all he played for. So very well by him. I don't know if that was, if he knew that the Jersey was coming. I don't know if he was surprised by the gift, but I thought his reaction was outstanding. Uh, especially, especially if you're a Yankee fan, because the one thing about those Fox broadcasts, which we do like, I I think Burkhart does a great job um, on those studio shows and in places like that uh, on site. They're actually very, they're fun. You know, when you had Frank Thomas and Ortiz and, and, and A-Rod's great. I really do. You say what you want about him. I think A-Rod's great on TV and um, really good in those spots. And in that case, Jeter did exactly as a Yankee fan, what you want to see him do. So good stuff there in London. And we will see it again next year with the uh, the Mets and the Phillies. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll get Flegelman in here for the final segment as we will talk more Mets, more Yankees, a couple of other things too that we will throw at him as well. And then we've got Boomer and Geo on a Monday morning right here on The Fan. You know, it's a shame Al's not here today. We could have talked Florida LSU with him. And why would we do that? Because he loves offense. There were 24 runs scored by Florida yesterday in the um, College World Series. 24-4. to four. They hit six home runs. That's what I would call a lot of offense. Hey, before we get to Fliegelman, how about this story I came across uh, involving LeBron James? So LeBron James in 2020 bought a home in Beverly Hills. Now, I know he's the Lakers. and He's not going anywhere. This is where he's going to finish his career unless he comes to the, to the Knicks for the final year or so when he's 40. Um, so in 2020, LeBron buys a 13,000 square foot mansion in Beverly Hills for $37 million. Eddie, what do you think he is doing with that home? What do you think he's adding on or what type of construction do you think he is doing? Well, I have to assume there already was a basketball court. Uh, I would think so. I don't know the answer to that, but I'm sure there probably was a basketball court. Yes. Or not. He put one in. Would you, would you think that's the big movies making? No, because I think that would probably already be there. Okay, fair enough. Bowling alley? Bowling alley. Again, good good question, good answer, but no. No, he is, um, he's actually imploded the building, the entire structure, to rebuild ground up. Didn't like the house. Okay. Uh, $37 million. Now, again, he's got to be worth $2 billion, maybe more. I, so it's not much to him. Could you imagine spending $37 million on a property only to wipe it away to start clean? I can't wow. imagine spending $37 on a shirt and throwing it away. <laughs> 
You went here. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I understand that. Yeah, pretty wild. And apparently he's getting crushed on social media for doing this. But his rebuild has become – so it came with, just to answer your question, it came with a pool, a pool house, tennis courts, uh, and it's noted one of the largest driveways in all of Beverly Hills. So this is what you get for $37 million in Beverly Hills. Four bedrooms, eight bathrooms, seven fireplaces – a screening room and a trophy room, and all of that gone to rebuild. Must be nice. Yes, indeed. M- must be nice. What do you need with eight bathrooms? Uh, and only four bedrooms? Right. I don't know. That's a good question. Maybe you got two in the basement. I don't know. I have no idea. I don't even have basements in California with the earthquakes. I don't know. Good question. Yeah, that's the voice of Mike Flegelman who joins me for the final segment. All right, so you tell me. Are we going to fight over Buck Showalter? Where do you stand on Buck? No, I, I'm surprised people were crushing Buck as much as they were yesterday. And like, have been. This is a game that is played by the players. Brett Beatty boots a double play ball. Jeff Brigham comes in, gets the ground ball the team needs. Beatty boots it. This is also a team that, yeah, they did score their six runs, two for ten with runners in scoring yeah. position. Lindor strikes out with the bases yep. loaded, can't do anything another time with a guy on third, comes up, nobody on base, here's a solo home run. This is just, it's a team game. They play as a team. They played poorly as a team. This is not on the manager. No, I agree. And then you mentioned Beatty and and Lindor, too. I mentioned him before. He's got to take some heat for not coming through in big spots again. But the guy that really bothers me is Carrasco. I agree. I heard you say in the first segment. Come on. And there there were some people saying, oh, maybe Buck should have left him in for another inning, knowing that he had a short bullpen. We watched Carlos Carrasco those first four innings. You leave him in for the fifth. What does anybody think is going to happen? Carlos Carrasco is done, and if Quintana wasn't hurt and Tyler McGill and David Peterson didn't take 20 steps back, this guy might not be in the rotation. He doesn't deserve to be in the rotation. We're complaining about a guy with an ERA near seven. Oh, Buck should have left him in for another inning. Come on. But that, And so that's my point. Like These are the cards they've been dealt. They're not a good team right now. They're not built properly, and they've had injuries. So that, to me, is, is a factor here, too. Quintana hopefully at some point, maybe not this month, but maybe early July can and can join the rotation. They need it's so funny how you spend so much money on pitching and their biggest problem is pitching. Like from day to day, I actually feel pretty good about Scherzer right now. Now that can change with one bad start, but I felt pretty good about him. I don't know about Verlander. I really don't. McGill, Peterson maybe tomorrow. I don't even want to see Carrasco take the mound anymore. Like no, they're and all they're, of them. they're, they're all in that group. McGill, Peterson, yes. and Carrasco are all in that group of I never want to see this guy pitch again. And the Mets are in a spot where they have to rely on at least two of them every five times through. It's not sustainable. And yeah, they they spend a ton of money on the pitching. Scherzer has been even lately, he's been better. Better. The, the start against the Yankees and the one against the Braves disappointing, but he gave you the eight innings against the Astros the other day. He gave you the win against Philly. He yep. hasn't been terrible. Verlander's been too inconsistent, and even Senga has been more in line, I think, about what they expected. He's up and down, ERA still in the He's okay. He's okay. He's he's certainly not great, but they expected, one, they signed Quintana for one reason. He's durable. This is a guy that, in his career, all he does is make 30 starts a year. He gets hurt before he throws in a real game. And then between Carrasco just being what he was last year, a fifth starter, or McGill and Peterson, one of those guys not taking a step back, it's all gone wrong. They weren't perfectly built. Of course, there are a couple of moves where I would nitpick, like with the bullpen. I thought they could have used one more reliever. I still think they should have gotten one more, you know, locked, not locked, or a guy who you know they're reliable. It's a proven veteran. You know what you're getting. 
that might win them an extra game or two along the way. There's seven games below 500. Yeah, that's not the bad. reason they're here. The starting pitching has been overall atrocious. They're 20 and three when the starter can go six innings. That means the back end of the bullpen, the guys you're relying on, the Robertsons, Raleys, the Adovinos. But for the most part, when they're just supposed to be your top four or five guys getting you three innings in a game, they're getting the job done. Now, the underbelly of it is very bad. And you're really saying we talked about it on Friday. The trickle-down effect of losing Edwin Diaz is showing itself in a big, big way. Right now, it's really starting to show itself. There's no question. Because for the first two months of the season... I don't want to say you didn't realize he wasn't there. I mean, obviously, his presence is a big deal. I'm, so don't, I'm not taking that away from him. But it didn't I hurt them nearly as much as didn't. we thought it might earlier. And, they, and it, there were too many games where they never had a lead. You were never going to use him anyway. And guys were getting the job done in spots he'd be used. But now it has become a problem. Now it's become a big problem at probably the most crucial point in the season where you need to, kind of like we talk about the Yankees, with, with Judge out, they kind of need to keep their head above water. The Mets need to figure out a way to get their head above water right now and just baby steps to get back. And them not having him has been a problem. The other thing, too, with the starters, like I sit there now on a day-to-day basis and say, can you give us five innings and three runs? And that speaks to Carrasco Six, yesterday. Right. And, yes, I know he didn't get the chance to go out for the fifth, but with Turner coming up again, who's already two for two against oh. him with a bomb of a home run, I have no faith that Carlos Carrasco. None. Like I, When Buck takes him out, even not knowing what you were going to see at the end of the bullpen, I didn't have a problem with it. Carlos Carrasco was not getting through that fifth inning. Nope. Like I just I, that, and that's where you are with the pitching. Yep, like it feels like five innings. Even though that magic number for them has been six, it feels like five innings and three runs, which is not a good start. It's not a good start. It feels like a win for them. I don't even think six innings and three runs is a grand. They with this quality start crap. Eh, it's okay. No, six. Yeah, it's, not like quali- that's, it's it keeps it's okay. your, it keeps your team in the game. Does nothing more than that. Yes, that's exactly. And we sit there and we celebrate it like it's this great afternoon. It's really not. It's no, all but right. for them this year, it's been the magic Correct. number, and it feels like a miracle right now. Yeah, and they also when they score six runs, they don't win. Well, and I, now, can, I can't believe how the many amount of times they they've lost this year doing that, which speaks to one thing: it's pitching. Like the lineup has been way too inconsistent. And yes. again, yesterday they come through. They have their hits. Brett Beatty, perfect example. I already mentioned Lindor. He has two hits his first couple at bats. The third at bat, he hits a deep fly ball to left field. Schwarber makes a nice play at defense. He comes up second and third, one out. Any of that plays, the space hit, the yep. single, deep fly ball, and he can't make contact. Right. You got to put that the changes ball in the play. game. Absolutely it changes the game. There's no doubt. And then his play where he can't get, I don't know if he couldn't get the ball out of his glove. If McNeil's, I don't know what the hell that was, but that was a play whatever that it really is, hurt it all them comes too. down to whatever can go wrong for this team is going wrong right now. No doubt. And they have to figure out, like, it's, it's, it's with them on the field. They have to be better. They have to play better. They're not good enough, probably, but they're also letting way too many opportunities slip away. And on the flip side, you've got the Yankees who, you know, they don't get a Cole like start, but their bullpen does do a good job. Cole only gets you to the fifth inning, four and two thirds. But I tell you, it goes to show when you get your guys back. Like Harrison Bader was great yesterday. And I know there's no judge, but, you know, Volpe starts it and then Bader finishes it and then Stanton tacks on. So I thought for the Yankees, important this weekend to do what they did. Is it fair to say at this point, obviously Aaron Judge is number one. Harrison Bader might be the second most important Yankee. Look uh, at this lineup when he's in it and yeah. when he's out of it. It's possible, especially when you look at what they've been like without the two of them. You can make every – like people were excited when Harrison Bader came back. As they should be. And you be. see why. Absolutely. So uh, it's just a weird – it's a very strange baseball season. When you, you think about 
the Reds' big winning streak, which they've had this infusion of youth, and I know De La Cruz would hit them for the cycle this weekend. I mean, that kid has been unbelievable. It's kind of like what the Mets are hoping that they would get. And Alvarez has been good. Beatty's been good. But no one's done what this kid's doing. And Beatty's just been okay. He's hitting like 240. He's yeah, been he's all okay. Right. He's, been, he's, been, he's been fine. he has been fine. Alvarez hits the home runs. All right, good enough. But you got with the Reds doing what they've done with the with the big winning streak. You've got a team like the Pirates that has been up and down like I've never seen. A team like the Rays, who all they do is win. The Rangers don't have DeGrom, and I know they lost two out of three this weekend, but they are one of the best teams in baseball. The Mets have been terrible. The Giants have the big winning streak, have themselves back in it. The Padres have been as much money as the Mets can't get out of their own way. It's just, I don't know, it's a weird season. It is. Part of it, I do think there are implications with the new rules and all the changes. There's definitely more of a youth movement happening this year than I think a lot of veteran teams like the Mets and Padres expected it to happen so much so soon. The veterans haven't adjusted in the same way. But I just look around the league. I don't know if I see the great team. Maybe I'd put the Braves there. But we talk about the American League. For all the wins that a team like the Rays have right now, for the record of the Rangers, you see them stack up against the Yankees. And right now, this is a Yankees team without Aaron Judge. For sure. I'm not all that impressed by those teams. No, because and, and well, the Rays I would be worried about because they still do. I know. Worried about, yes. yes. But uh, so scared that I think, well, if the Yankees play their game at their best in a five- or seven-game series, they can't beat this team. I don't think baseball has any great teams this the year. The only team that a Yankee fan has a block on right now would be the Astros. And that's just because you haven't beaten And them. rightly so, for sure. I still think if you play, you know, like Cleveland, they handled them last year. I know it was a five games, but they still handled Cleveland like they were supposed to. I agree with you. I would be confident with them against Texas as good as they've been. I would feel like they can beat the Rays for sure if they saw them in, in, in a postseason scenario. So you're not wrong about that. Uh, it's wide open, and that's where you get the extra wild card. And I hate when we talk about just get in and you can see what happens. But in a lot of cases, it's true. I mean, look what the Phillies did last year. Right. We hate it that and front offices and teams are going to point to it. We hate that it's true. Yeah, but, but it is but true. It is. Sadly, it is true. It's kind of like what the NFL's become. You know, when I was a kid, if you had home field advantage in the NFL – you were essentially going to at least the NFC or the AFC championship game, and most likely you were going to the Super Bowl. Now it doesn't matter. Wild card teams go win all their games on the road. you got the same thing in baseball. You have no idea when the playoffs begin who's actually going to make a run, who's not. It's, again, the crapshoot word I don't like, but that's also become very true. In the po- You don't know who's going to do it. I think there are still elements where you can prepare yourself better for that crapshoot. I think that's maybe where the Yankees have not done the best job in the last couple years with decisions to make yourself just positioned a little bit better for postseason success. But overall, the idea of, hey, just get there and play your best baseball for two, three weeks and anything can happen. And be healthy. That's true. And be healthy, which is something that nobody can actually predict. Correct. So you really just, it's luck. It's interesting, too. So you think about the NBA, the Nuggets were the best team, and they rolled through the postseason. Well, think about a couple years ago when the Bucks won the uh, the title because every team they face is dealing with major injury, yes. major injury, major injury. 100%. There's no question about that. Um, but the Heat come out of the eighth seed and are in the finals. So while the, the Nuggets won, you still have the Heat doing something that no one expected them to do, even though they were in the finals last year. Still an eight seed. You don't see that very often. In hockey, I mean, look no further than the Bruins. Uh, they were ousted so quickly. Baseball last year with the Phillies making the run. Then in football, the Chiefs went. I know that. 
but you've got teams that make the postseason and have little playoff pushes. It is it's a different game. Everything's different. Everything In hockey, is different. it's been that way for a little bit longer, but you're seeing the other sports really catch up to that where it's just, hey, make the tournament, give yourself a shot, and anybody can make a run. Yeah, no question about it. All right, Mike, thanks very much. We will uh, talk to you along the way here. Thanks, Jared. That is uh, Fleegs on the Fan, as they call it. We're going to take one final break. When we come back, we will wrap things up. We'll get Boomer and Geo in here on a uh, on a Monday as we will have a lot of Mets light at Yankees throughout the course of the day. Right now, you know, usually, so just so you guys have an understanding how this goes. So at this time every day, we throw to an Odyssey Sports Minute, and it's usually Amy Lawrence. Now, last week she was off, so it was someone else. Well, Amy's back. And the way this works is Eddie writes out the topic. And a lot of times I have to catch myself because Eddie is what they would say um, not politically correct a lot of times. That's not the right exact phrase. Yeah, he tries to make you say things that you shouldn't say by just putting it in there. Here's Amy with blah, blah, blah. And I can't say blah, blah, or blah, but I catch it. I'm going to say it the way Eddie wrote it today. Here's Amy Lawrence with an Odyssey Sports Minute. The Mets blow chunks. It's the dynamic duo of Al and Jerry, the superheroes of WFAN. Hi, welcome back. Al will be back on Wednesday. As he, I think he gets back uh, later this afternoon from Indiana. I did not see any social media, although I really haven't been on it. I guess the couple of times I checked, I did not see anything from him. Uh, for his trip to Indiana, but I'm sure he will have a ton of photos at some point as he went and saw John Cougar at Mellon Camp. Um, Mets lose, Yankees win, all good. G's in here, so I want to. So I was in Atlantic City this weekend, and I will remember last week we were talking about the demographic that we were talking mostly men, 35 to 54, whatever. I will tell you, since I made that comment, the the amount of women that have come up to me that say. One woman this weekend at Borgata said that I was sexist by saying the demographic <laughs> was wrong. She watches the show every day. Yeah. Um, the amount of ladies that said hello to me over the weekend and not because of any other reason other than the show was staggering. Yeah, I've noticed that too. And a lot of it, of course, has to do with CBS Sports Network. And I think it starts with the husbands. They put it on and then the women want to revolt in the beginning. <laughs> I have to listen to this in the car with you. Now you're putting it on in the house and then they see us and they see us laughing and I think it sort of grows up. Look at me, bitches. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. There was one guy from Brooklyn. He now lives in Pennsylvania. Steve Pellegrino. I remember his name. He was a great guy. His wife comes over, and she was, like, trying to pull him away. She's like, will you just leave him alone? He was great, though. Like, really nice guy. Wound up buying him a drink. Was terrific. Then there was this other guy that I meet in the hallway. Uh, not in the hallway, but, like, around the casino where he stopped me. Could not have been nicer. Says hello. Takes the picture. And he goes, point blank, he goes, my wife? hate you guys. Huh. I'm yep. like, oh, okay. I'm like, do anything we did? She goes, no, he doesn't stop listening or watching. I can't take it anymore. Very sweet. She didn't mean us personally. Sure, of course. But she said she loses her husband every morning Yeah, to uh, the show. Right, and I think that's sort of the way that I was with Gina, too, when we first met. She was like, well, you do this for a living, and then you listen to this stuff all day long, too. too much. I was like, yeah, I do. It, too much. And then My there was, craft. Then there were these ladies at the, at the bar on Saturday night. A One, good, firm breast. <laughs> per, yes, potentially. Um, where she... Potentially. Well... Yes. Okay. Uh, she came up and was very nice and loves thicker Geo. Oh, loves thicker me. Yes. Does not like all the weight you've lost. Why? She thought you looked like, I did like not. a big, strong man. I and did now not you look, look now like. You look too thin. Nah, well, that's, that's a compliment. I'll take that. I was not a big, strong man. I was doughy. I was unhealthy. And I felt like crap and looked like crap. So now I'm, uh, I'm great, man. 
Look, I can bounce back from a, a stomach virus in like six hours these days. Yeah, you all right? <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. I don't know. It was weird. I don't even know what the hell happened, but it happened on Saturday night, and I'm back here today, and you've got two black eyes, and I'm... I do. And I'm a little yeah. weak. Hi, Boom. But other than that... How you doing? Good morning, guys. Now I look the way you said Friday that I yes. got into a fight. This was... I was at Borgata. I went there Friday. Everything was great. I woke up the next morning. Like, what the hell is that? Which they told me was going to happen. WFAN, WFAN-FM, WFAN-FM HD1, New York, always live on the free Odyssey app.